It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible, or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome to this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're part of it for the Virtual Bible Study for June 24th, 2000. It's actually June 25th. 25th, 2009. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dad. Well, I'm glad you're here. You're a day late on the calendar, but we are glad a day you're early. Here. Well, however you want to look at that, <laughs> but we're glad that we're glad to be able to be together and uh, study on the virtual Bible study. We look forward to this each week. We have a lot of regular listeners and participants, and and I think uh, we all get a lot out of spending time together in the Word of God. Obviously, that's what it's uh, that's what this show's about, and that's what's very important. The number to call to be a part of the program is 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We want to talk about something tonight that I'm going to admit, and I would imagine you'll admit as well, we are not experts on the subject we're going to discuss tonight. Well, we could probably ask our wives, and they would concur that we're not experts. We're going to be talking about marriage, Jacob. Uh, It is an important subject. Actually, you would think that uh, in this day and time, there, there's such an abundance of information out there about marriage. Uh, there's marriage therapists and counselors. There's all kind of books and tapes and TV and radio shows and Dr. classes. Phil. Dr. Phil, classes about marriage. And and you'd think that husbands and wives with all this information, really more information probably that's ever been available in the history of time, that, that surely people would be successful in making their marriages work because there's all kind of resource available to them. Uh, but, of course, that is not the case, and uh, and there's a real crisis in regards to marriage and people maintaining proper marriages and marriages surviving in this present world. And so we want to talk about marriage tonight, and we're going to base our, our discussion on a verse in Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. We want to base our thoughts tonight upon the idea of keeping marriage honorable. That marriage is an honorable thing, and that it should be held in honor, and we want to talk about that in our study tonight. And you do not have to be an expert on marriage either. We would just like your questions or comments at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeu.com. The benefit of having a Bible study is that you do not have to be an expert, but you have at your disposal the book that has the information that we need in it. And so if you can make a comment on what the Bible teaches about marriage, we would all benefit from that tonight. So please join in on the phone or over email tonight. Now, the topic of the program tonight was uh, your idea, Dad, because you've been noticing some things in the news that does show that marriage is not honored in our society today. Well, yeah, just this very week, there have been a couple of episodes in the news, you know, that that uh, have indicated that certainly marriage is not being held in honor among all. Uh, for instance, just yesterday, the big news splash about the governor of South Carolina, who's run off 
been running off to South America to have an affair with a woman there. He has a wife and children at home, but he has he has been unfaithful to his wife. They're going to be he's going to, he's going to suffer some real consequences for that uh, in his personal life and in his political life for sure. There have been other episodes too. Certainly, in the in the media, the pop culture, there's been uh, discussions about divorces among certain reality TV stars. I'm not sure what they what those reality shows are all about. But yeah, I've never seen that show. What is it? John and Kate plus eight, and they, I don't know. They, they got they had. I think that family was comprised of, of twins, and then they had sex tuplets, and there were eight kids. And the, now the mom and dad, and of course they, the mom and dad got famous and popular and rich, no doubt, by putting their family uh, out there for uh, the public to view on this reality show. And now they're splitting up, getting a divorce. Uh, but so. you, you may want to make a disclaimer: you're not following that. I've never seen that show. I don't right. know, but I just saw the news headline. It, it seemed it seemed uh, rather remarkable that. This was supposed to be, you know, uh, an exciting family situation, and the husband and wife can't even stay together. And I don't know if how they'll spin that, but my guess is they'll spin that 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 is a positive thing for the children, that they're putting the oh, children yeah. first, and everything's going to be just fine. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. What do you think about marriage? Is it honored in our society today? Why or why not? And there are some questions that we've posed for your consideration tonight. Earlier today to our update list, as we often, always do on Thursdays, we sent out uh, some questions, start getting your feedback uh, on some questions relative to this topic of marriage and marriage being held in honor. We asked question one, what factors have led to the present situation in our society wherein marriage is held in low esteem? Why, why do you think that the institution of marriage is not regarded highly and, it's, and, and it is in such trouble in our culture and, and so forth? Uh, what do you think are the factors? Give us, give us a quick email. We'll take a minute to light up your email program there and, and send us a message to questions at collegeview.com. Let us know what do you think are the factors that are leading to this low regard for marriage. Then our second question is, what are some of the things that we will do if we truly hold marriage in high regard or high honor, in other words, what are what are the characteristics of people who do honor marriage properly? What will we be doing? And then number three, what are the most important things that a husband and wife must do to ensure the permanence of their marriage? If we want our marriages to last, what are the most important things for us to do? That'll be our third question tonight. So by all means, either pick up the phone and call us. That's the easiest way, Jacob. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, uh, or we've got our chat room window open, and I think some people might be having some trouble taking with that chat room. Yeah, Harv in Pennsylvania is having problems with that, and there may be others as well. We're working on that and haven't been successful yet, but we're not going to give up. Okay. But uh, you can still go if you're not permitted to chat. You can still go and watch and see what the discussion is all about there. Join in the discussion in the chat room. I think you got to you got to get a, a little free account if you're going to do it. You've got to sign up for a free account. You oh. can watch without the account. Right, but if you want to participate, you got to get an account. And so click on the banner at the bottom of the page of uh, the video screen, and it'll take you to our show page. The chat window will be on the right. Also, there on our on our homepage, you can see uh, a, a link to our Twitter feed, and every week we send out a Twitter update uh, on Thursdays about what our program is going to be. About. Did you send a Twitter update tonight? I, I did. I did. All right. And so, if you're on Twitter, follow us there. And we also might make mention that if you're on Facebook, there's a virtual Bible study group on Facebook, so you can tell your friends about. 
the virtual Bible study by joining the group on Facebook as well. Okay. We had an email earlier in the week from uh, uh, Troy who watches and listens in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and he said that he last week or two had trouble being able to click on to see the video link. And if anybody else is having that trouble, we'd like your feedback. I hadn't heard that from anybody else, but if you're having trouble, let us know. We may have some little technical glitch there and that we can work on. If you have a slow Internet connection, we have an audio-only stream that you can get from our website as well. So we aim to be accessible. Uh, if whatever your Internet connection, we want you to be a part of the program. And if you have comments or suggestions about our uh, service, our uh, video feed or our audio feed, maybe any technical difficulties you may have, please let us know so that we can work to rectify those issues. All right, let's get to this subject about marriage, that marriage should be held in honor. Uh, we're basing our thoughts that we're going to use as our text for consideration. Hebrews 13, verse 3, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. One thing we might comment about sort of historically, Jacob, is it seems like the, the fact that that's included in the inspired word there in the book of Hebrews indicates that even way back then in the first century, there there were some who were not holding marriage in the high regard that it should have been. Uh, there may have even been some who thought that it was a detriment to spirituality to be a married person. For instance, we know even before the time of Christ, there was the Jewish sect called the Essenes, and they, they did not believe in marriage. And they, they said that if you were married, it would keep you from attaining to the kind of spiritual status that you needed. Um, so there were some influences like that back then, all kinds of influences. And there would be some... And Paul even talked about it in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. He predicted that there would be some who would ultimately forbid people to marry. He said in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So uh, Paul said, you know, th th that there would be some such influences, of, that there had been and would be such influences of people who did not properly respect uh, the institution of marriage. I think we see that even today. There, there are religious groups in the world today, Jacob, that forbid to marry, at least for certain elements of their, of their members. They're not allowed to marry. And, and uh, Paul predicted it would be so. Some of that uh, forbidding may go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 where Paul suggested that people remain unmarried, but uh, that, again, was for a limited uh, period of time, and it was not for necessarily uh, any problems with inherent to marriage, but it was due to the, the persecution. The persecution. They, they were under a severe persecution, and Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 26, I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for men so to be. Uh, art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not to, to marry. But if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. That, it, that, that, the, the, the problem was in the flesh, not in the spiritual realm. That's right. And, and he goes on to say, you know, that in, in that time of persecution, he says there is, a, verse 34, there's a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And so he's saying, 
it is natural for a husband or a wife to care for their for their mates and in that time of persecution and distress it would be easier to deal with the persecutions heaped upon you if you didn't worry, have to worry about how it might affect your wife uh, uh, at the same time all right and so there is nothing wrong inherently with marriage in fact the context we're using tonight for our our discussion, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it is honorable. 13, 4. 13, 4, it is honorable. Marriage is honorable, and uh, we need to understand that. Our society, though, is constantly attacking marriage and uh, running it down. Yeah, exactly right. I think we're up almost to a break time. Let's take that break, and then let's go to our first question. We want to hear from you. Uh, either call us right now or send us an email. What do you think are some of the things that are contributing to, in our present day, the fact that people are holding marriage in low esteem. We want to hear from you. We need to get your feedback on that. We've got some emails. We want to hear from you. Go into the chat room tonight, and if you have trouble with the chat room, you might send us an email and give us your comments over email. Or join in on the phone, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Joel Gwynn, a member of the College View Church of Christ with something for you to think about regarding our children. A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful, and active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended assemblies only infrequently, the children endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, Matthew 5:16. Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results. Our own common sense and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God. Wow, this internet thing is really growing. And what could be better than using the internet for Bible study? I guess that's what they were thinking when they dreamed up the virtual Bible study. Good idea, don't you think? Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it, and we look forward to your participation. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about an institution that has been degraded in our society it is no longer honored and respected but the bible tells us it is honorable and we need to understand why it is so the bible tells us that marriage is honorable jacob in the verse that we're using as our text tonight uh hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 it says marriage is honorable held in honor among all but adulterers and fornicators god will judge and so you see a contrast in that verse between the honorable state of marriage with the undefiled marriage bed, and on the other hand, acts of fornication and adultery, which God is going to judge. Now, there's a, there's a real distinction there, but the, the world, unfortunately, has really blurred that distinction. Of course, 
We could talk about political events. The media, certainly the media is, is largely responsible for the degraded reputation of, of marriage. Um, they minimize the difference between fidelity and infidelity. Uh, certainly music and entertainment glorify adultery. Uh, we got sports figures, people who are regarded as heroes, uh, who send the wrong message. And then sometimes even religious institutions uh, have tried to, I guess, alter or minimize the plain teaching of Scripture about the importance of marriage and about the sin of adultery, uh, about and have largely ignored what the Bible teaches, for instance, about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And so a lot of those kind of factors have caused people to hold marriage in low esteem, and that's a shame. Uh, we've got some emails on this topic that we wanted to talk about. Uh, let's see, I've got an email from from our friend Stephen. We always said Stephen was in Pennsylvania, Jacob. Stephen's not in Pennsylvania anymore. He's in Vermont. So, oh, well, he's a Verm- well, his email still has Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's where he's. Yeah, uh, but he says, I no longer live in Pittsburgh. I'm currently residing in Vermont. So it's Stephen in Vermont. Who, well, thank uh, you, Stephen, for keeping us on your, on your mind as you move no- farther north. We yeah. appreciate that. Uh, to this question, what factors have led to the present situation? He says, well, individuals who are held in high esteem have often held marriage in low esteem. For example, Hollywood, with its high divorce rate, have led others to follow. Educators who hold PhDs are now telling us that such things as infidelity is a genetic trait that most have nothing to do with, uh, most likely having to do with our evolution as a species, that is, more pregnancies than more of our genes will be passed on. Feminists have made women feel guilty for fulfilling God-given roles as stay-at-home mothers. The acceptance of differences and treating homosexuality on the same level as race, thereby making it seem that if we cannot accept homosexuality, then we might as well be racist also. However, with all this acceptable uh, acceptance of homosexuality, states are now looking to marry homosexuals. Brethren who are well-known and highly looked upon are using their influence for their own advantage by marrying others when 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 those are, marriages are considered adultery in God's eyes. These are just a few. So sort of to summarize, I think exactly right. The reason why marriage is held in low, self, uh, low, low regard in our society is because a lot of the peop- people who, who are looked up to hold marriage in low regard, like the Hollywood types, uh, like the intellectual elite who try to say it's, it's not, not a big deal, uh, the, the, the uh, moral and political liberals in our society who, who tell us that we – uh, should accept homosexuality as normal and right, and then if anybody says otherwise, they they are racist, as as he points out. And then even among our some of our own brethren, we've got folks who are who are not taking a, a firm stand on the on the marriage, divorce, and remarriage question. And all of those things, I think Stephen is exactly right. All of those things have led to a, a lowered impression of the importance of marriage. Certainly. You just thought, let's take Hollywood for a minute. He mentions Hollywood. Find it a sitcom or some type of drama where infidelity is shown in a negative light. I don't think you can do that. No, it's, it's, it's all great. It's wonderful. It's normal. It's what, it's what regular people do. And if you, if you think otherwise, you're, you're the oddball. You're the, the fanatic or freak. Yeah, and we would like to think that doesn't influence our thinking, but it does as we're in, exposed to that on a con- constant basis. The devil bombards us with this idea constantly 
it begins to change the way we view things. We may not think it's okay, but it's not quite as bad as it was once earlier. It wears us down, and so that we've got to be really concerned about the the influence of these cultural factors. I think Stephen's right on the mark. I have an email from Gail here in Columbia, Tennessee, who says, I think one factor is that God is held in very low esteem. Therefore, his gift and privilege of marriage is held in low esteem. That's got to be right, too. I mean, if we don't if we don't respect God, then we're not going to respect his rules governing marriage. Why would we care about his rules if we don't care about him, mm-hmm. for sure? And then she says, people also have been hurt in marriages, and they blame marriage in general rather than just the people who are doing the hurting. Good point. Uh, you know, that... To, to say that the institution of marriage is a bad thing because there are husbands that are bad husbands or wives that are bad wives is a is a huge mistake. Um, we don't we don't disre- you know we don't say that having uh, law enforcement officers is a bad thing just because there are a few corrupt cops out there. You know uh, we don't say that having governments that that uh, regulate our our societal affairs are bad just because there's some corrupt politicians out there in other words you can't use the bad apples to to dis to to, uh uh cast off on the whole institution of marriage and i think that's what she's saying there all right uh someone in the chat room going by the name of brother rick uh, comments from malachi chapter 2 verse 15 he quotes it from the amplified bible and did not God make you and your wife one flesh? Did not one make you and preserve your spirit alive? And why did God make you two one? Because he sought a godly offspring from your union. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and let no one deal treacherously and be faithless to the wife of his youth. He says God's covenant of marriage is to produce godly seed. And certainly God does desire us to produce godly seed and to raise our children as we should, and uh, so that is something that needs to be honored. And again, that is uh, something that is not understood and respected in our society today, the obligation to raise up your family as God would have them to be brought up. The world, Dad, and I think marriage is suffering as a result of this is because the world has bought into the line that our lives are made up of material things, and we need to be running after material things and pleasures that those material things can offer us with little regard for our families and making our families what God would have them to be. Yeah. Um, Brother Rick may have may be going along the same lines of another email that we've got from Patrick in Birmingham. And uh, Patrick is, is a frequent contributor to the virtual Bible study. We're always glad to have his thoughts. He is a Catholic, and as such, he sometimes represents some of their dogmas that I don't necessarily agree with. And I think in part he has done that here in answer to this question because – he wants to, he, he leads into the discussion of contraception. He s- says, what are the contributors to holding that have caused marriage to be held in low esteem? He says, there have been several. In short, artificial contraception, the sexual revolution, and feminism are three of the big ones. Uh, he says, every Christian denomination without exception taught that contraception was immoral until the, American, or until the Anglican Church allowed it under limited circumstances at its Lambeth Conference in 1930. I'm not sure I really agree with that. I don't really know the history on that, actually. So uh, that, that may or may not, uh, that may or not, may not be factual. I don't know. Uh, I, I suspect no. Patrick knows more about that than I do, but I don't think that really decides the issue. Uh, we don't want to go off into that too far, but I think there are some forms of contraception that are wrong, 
but not all contraception or all methods of contraception are necessarily wrong. And I think the Catholic Church has been in error on that to assume that the sexual relationship between husband and wife is exclusively to produce offspring. That's one of the purposes, but it's not the sole purpose of, of the sexual relationship between married people. And, 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 and we, we haven't really addressed that. It's somewhat uh, indelicate. But uh, um, I would agree that some forms of contraception are wrong, and we perhaps can talk about that at another time. But back to Patrick's comment, I would agree with this, that with the, with the wide and easy availability of contraception, he goes on to say this began a slow descent uh, with the advent of birth control pills in 1960. Artificial birth control became much easier to implement, and it was much more in the hands of women, whereas previous birth control methods were typically in the domain of men. The result is obvious. Sexual immorality has always existed, but now it was clear that people could engage in sexual activity without fear of pregnancy. Fear of pregnancy was certainly a deterrent to sex outside of marriage. With that fear gone, sexual relations outside of marriage became much more common. This led to an increase of out-of-wedlock births. Increasing numbers of children grew up without fathers in their homes. It was easier to commit adultery without the possibility of pregnancy, so adultery became more common. With the release of responsibility, it became much easier for men to treat women as objects of pleasure rather than persons to love. The entire mindset of the purpose of marriage began to shift. It was no longer seen as necessary because it became socially acceptable to have sexual relations outside of marriage. You also have Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, active during this period. She believed in eugenics, and contraception and abortion were her methods to reduce the population of undesirable people, such as the black race. There was also the feminist movement, which encouraged women to believe that they didn't need men. Contraception and abortion played into this life view as being means to free women from the control and domination of men. All of these factors are related and contribute to the negative effects on marriage. I could say much more. I've gone on too long. All right. I think I, I would agree with Patrick uh, not 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 totally in regards to the contraception question. Uh, I'm sort of in between there, Patrick. Uh, uh, but uh, on the on my position on that on that uh, question of contraception. But what Patrick has said about the sexual revolution, Jacob, with the availability of easy contraception, and people then began to engage in sexual relations outside of marriage. That certainly did uh, do a lot of harm to marriage in people's minds as far as whether they held it in, in esteem or not. And it's doing a lot of harm to our society today, and it still continues to do so. I believe the numbers are that over 50% of children that are born today are born outside of wedlock. That's a shame and a disgrace, and, it's, and of course it has a devastating effect on our society, and we're seeing it. We're going to see more of it. And there's going to be no respect for marriage because these children that are being born outside of marriage. They've never seen a decent marriage They don't marriage know what a marriage is about. Right. Unless we show them from God's word how he has defined it. And, we, and so it's we going to make it harder for Christians living in this world. It's going to make it harder for us to, to hold up right standards, to teach our children the proper respect for the marriage uh, institution. Uh, it's, we're going to have to work to keep from being influenced negatively. I mean, even even among Christians, the, the incidence of divorce is way higher than it would have been just a generation ago, and so these are all all uh, factors that we're we're forced to deal with as we live in this present world. All right, we're going to take a break and get this week's bullet point. We'll come back on the other side, but we hope to take a comment from you eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview dot com. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue after this. Are you listening? 
There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Every congregation of God's people is made up of two basic but quite different types of people. There are some who can properly be described as the givers. These are the good-hearted souls who are always doing helpful deeds of service for others. If there's someone who is sick and needs visited, if folks are grieving over the death of a loved one, if a spiritually weak person needs encouragement, if a lost soul needs to be taught the gospel, you can count on these givers to step up and meet the responsibility. You will not hear these members complaining that, quote, someone needs to do something. Instead, you'll find them busily doing whatever needs to be done. They teach Bible classes. They transport folks to services. They run errands for the shut-ins. They take food to the sick and grieving and they send cards of encouragement. They do chores for those who can't do for themselves. In a word, they give. They give of their time, their money, their energy. They give of themselves in humble service to others. Sadly, the other group of people in any particular church would have to be labeled the takers. These are the ones who seem to expect others to do everything, especially as it relates to them and their specific situations. If they are sick, they expect to be visited. If they are down, they expect to be encouraged. If they are grieving, they expect to be comforted. Never mind that they have not done these things for others. In reality, their outlook is me, me, me. And if the help and service they desire is not forthcoming, you can expect these people to quickly become offended and hurt. We've even known of some such folks who, as they said, quit the church because their perceived needs were not addressed to their satisfaction. What the takers don't understand is that the givers are the ones who are really receiving the better part. By their giving, they are in return blessed with the comfort, peace, and satisfaction that comes from humbly serving others. Jesus said, this is the true way to greatness in his kingdom, Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 43. And in so doing, these givers are directly imitating their Savior, John 13, verses 14 and 15. Thank God for the givers. May their tribe increase. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Be a part of the program. Please give us a call or send us an email. We're looking forward to hearing from you. All right, Jacob, we've got another question, and I think this is important for all of us who are Christians to consider. I mean, we've, we've pretty much talked so far in our program about the fact that marriage is in trouble. The institution of marriage is not being uh, properly respected. But for those who are God-fearing people, we, want, we ask the second question, what are some of the things we will do if we truly hold marriage in honor? In other words, what would be some of the things that we would do? Um, well, yeah, because it, this, the fact is stated by God that marriage is honorable, and the fact that it is honorable then should change the way that we view it. If we honor things, and if things are honorable, then it changes the way we treat them. Exactly right. I think, first of all, that I would say if we're going to hold marriage in honor, then we got to reverence God. We, you know, the, the first necessity there is that we have a proper reverence for God and respect for what he said about it. Every once in a while, you, Jacob, you, you read articles that talk about the things that uh, cause marriages to fail, and usually all those lists that I've ever seen have most of the same things on it, like religious differences, financial irresponsibility, uh, immaturity, alcoholism or drug abuse, infidelity, in-law interference, uh, um, selfishness, failure to communicate. And all of those things are just sort of symptoms of 
what is really the problem. The root problem is that we need to reverence God. If we reverence God, then a lot of those things that are on those laundry lists will go away. For instance, uh, immaturity, infidelity, selfishness, and so forth. A lot of those problems go away when we have a proper reverence and respect for God. But if we really respect God, then we're going to, it's going to make it much easier for us to respect the marriage that he gave. And, and if we respect God, then we, we have our mind made up uh, about how our marriage is going to turn out. Turn out. You know, if I, if I reverence God, then when I make a, a covenant commitment to my wife, then I'm going to live up to that, not just because I love my wife, but because I also love God who gave marriage and gave it as a blessing. And so I think this is an, an important foundational point to make. And if I honor God and I have a commitment to love my wife, I will define that love and shape that love like God defines it with the parameters he's given in his word, not by the way that our society defines love, which as our society defines love now is just the um, physical and the pleasure, and you do what makes you happy, and if your marriage is not happy, then you just quit on it. Don't try and make it work, because love is just a very shallow and cheap thing in our society today. That's right. So if we love God, reverence Him, and then, uh, then, then we're going to do other things, like we're going, to, we're going to develop the kind of attitudes that the Bible teaches us to have. We're going to listen to its rules and instructions. We're gonna we're gonna mold ourselves and and, and uh, alter our behavior and our value system to comply with his rules and so forth. All those things will be true. And so if we are going to reverence the marriage institution, we first have to reverence the God who gave it. That that's uh, an obvious first. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. We're waiting to hear from you tonight. Let me read what Stephen said about this. He said, "We will, if, if we are truly holding marriage in honor, first we will abide by both God's law and the civil law when getting married and keeping the vows that we make. Furthermore, we will teach against error when seen in other congregations or with others we may be studying with. We must always stand up for God's law. Um, I think that's, I, I would have to agree with his statements there clearly. Uh, you know, some people think that, that, the, the civil ceremony of, of marriage is not important. It, it's, it's unnecessary, but I believe, I, I would agree with Stephen that in keeping God's law, we would necessarily keep civil law. And civil law has made a means by which marriage is formalized or recognized. That what's the difference between a man and a woman who are just living together uh, in, 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 a, in a state of fornication and a man and woman who are living together as a married husband and wife. Well, society regulates that. Every culture, everywhere throughout all the history of time, has had some means whereby you could identify a married man and woman from a man and woman who were just committing fornication. And so as God-fearing people, we would certainly want to honor uh, whatever societal norms exist for formalizing that relationship. In our culture, it happens to be civil law. Civil law has, has regulated that. So we would certainly want to comply. To do otherwise would be a violation not only of the civil law, but also a violation of God's law in that matter. All right. Gail has some interesting comments. 
She says, what are some things that we will do if we truly hold marriage in honor? Number one, protect it from right, unrighteous anger by not using dishonoring conduct such as yelling, criticism, sarcasm, and the silent treatment. As she goes on and says, use self-control, not other control, by speaking respectfully to one another. Try to resolve conflict and forgive one another when there is repentance. And protect it from the world's ideas of conflict resolution, such as never bring up the past, which goes against Matthew 18. Matthew 18, talking about if there is something in the past that needs to be resolved, we need to resolve it rather than Ignore just it. glossing over it and ignoring those problems. So good comments tonight. Okay. And Patrick uh, has added, as parents, teachers, and mentors, we should instill the fact that people, we should instill the fact in people that marriage is a good thing to be desired and not some burden, trap, or way of taking away freedom. Marriage may certainly have its difficulties, as does any worthwhile endeavor or relationship, but it has profound rewards, too. It's not a trap which takes away our freedom. Uh, it says it's not a trap that takes away our freedom either, except perhaps if we make a foolish decision about whom we marry. A marriage, rather, marriage gives us the freedom to love one person in a more profound way than we could ever love anyone else. The Bible begins with marriage in the book of Genesis and ends with marriage in the book of Revelation. Marriage ultimately is to convey to humanity the truth of profound love that God has for his children. If we honor marriage, we will respect and uphold its goodness, beauty, and sacredness. We will take seriously Christ's teaching to not separate what God has joined. I think he's right on that. You know, uh, go ahead, Jacob. You know, if we understand and we appreciate and we acknowledge what God has said about marriage being honorable, then it will change the way that we view it ourselves, and it will change the way some of the jokes we might tell, okay. some of the ways we might talk about the ball and chain and uh, and other things, talking derogatory, uh, Lee, about our marriage or about our spouses. We need to We need to change the way we talk. Uh, I think that's right. I, I think I would add to some of those comments that have been made. I think they're good ones. But uh, certainly, if we if we hold marriage in honor, then we're going to respect the roles that God has set up, Jacob. We've talked before about the proper roles of men and women, but those have certainly been skewed in our society. And it is although it's not politically correct, we have to emphasize what the Bible says, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Uh, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. The head of Christ is God. Man is the head of woman. Uh, Ephesians 5, beginning verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Um, so, you know, we've got, we've got to accept and respect the the roles that God has given. And some of our email comments had mentioned that there's been a demeaning, for instance, in, in our society of the idea that women should be stay-at-home moms, taking care of the, the, the rearing of children and, and managing the home, as the Scriptures teach, that somehow that diminishes women and that women are not fulfilled and they don't attain to their highest uh, uh, possible achievements if they do that. I think that's exactly wrong. So we've got to, we've got to respect the... Uh, God-given roles, if we hold marriage in honor, we will do that. You know, if we hold it in honor, this goes back to a fundamental concept that we've repeated numerous times on, on the virtual Bible study, Dad, and that is that God's Word is for our best interest. We talked, we began this discussion about honoring the marriages. We talked, you, you mentioned that we needed to honor God. 
if we honor God and his word and appreciate it for what it is, is his instructions for how best to live our lives. If I honor God, then I'll honor his instructions. And by honoring his instructions, that will make my marriage be what it should be. And if I honor my marriage, I'll want to follow the instructions God has given. I'll want to assume the role, whether I be a husband or a wife, assume the role that God has given me so that my marriage can be the best that it can be. Exactly right. And uh, and we've said a couple times already, a lot of these rules, <coughs> a, lot <of> the <coughs> a lot of these stipulations in the Word of God are not considered to be politically correct in this day and time. This is not what people want to hear. But if we believe God, then we believe his word, and we're going to live by the principles that are stated there, and, and we're going to continue to proclaim them even if they – even if they pass laws against it, and by the way, uh, our friend Bo Perrin that was on the program with us a few weeks ago continues to send the updates. And, uh, you know, if, if that hate crimes bill, for instance, is, is passed, which makes it a crime to speak out against homosexuality, we're going to continue to speak out against it anyway if we love God, respect his rules, and want our lives to be enriched by the blessings that come from doing his will. And it probably won't. If that passes, it probably won't be long until you can't speak out against unscriptural divorce and uh, sexual relations outside of marriage. All of those things could, I mean, we can see that that's that's just following down the road that we're headed down, that these things are going to be so accepted in our society that if you speak out, there will be some repercussions you must pay. If you stop to think about it, Jacob, if you if you thought of all the people you've known and you think of people who've had happy, fulfilled, satisfied lives, who who really stand out in your mind as ha- having had you know very uh, meaningful and happy lives? Who were they? Well, in my mind, as I think about those people, they were people who honored God's rules. For instance, especially honored His rules about marriage. You know, the people who divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried, or maybe lived together without being married. I, I, I at least in in my memory banks, I don't have any recall of people who went that route and ended up with really happy, fulfilled, meaningful lives. The ones that did, the, the, the ones that stand out in my memory are people who married, were true to their marriage vows, who worked at making their marriage what it ought to be, rearing their children in accordance with the, the rules of God. And what we learned from that is what we've repeated so, so often on this program is God's rules work. He knows us, he made us, he knows what's best for us, and he wants what's best for us, and he gave us his law for our good. Deuteronomy 6, verse 24. Absolutely. We'll take our last break and take it to the top of the hour, and we'd love to hear from you on the phones or over the email tonight. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, 
why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband he doesn't even know about. <laughs> and then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. <laughs> and at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study as we talk about marriage and the fact that marriage is honorable in a society that does not honor marriage and in a society in which marriage has become disposable and even scorned by many. We need to understand that God says marriage is honorable and we need to be therefore honoring it in our lives. Exactly right. We want to talk about the idea of permanence in marriage, Jacob, and uh, we asked the question, what are some of the most important things that a husband and wife must do to ensure the permanence of their marriage? Uh, I had some suggestions uh, here that I think are good ones that came from someone else. Uh, the permanence and purity of marriage is at risk when we develop friendships with members of the opposite sex and allow those friendships to cross the line and move toward impurity. I think that happens all too often. It's happening a lot over the Internet these days. We're hearing more and more about that sort of thing. Just don't go there. Uh, the purity and permanence of marriage is at stake when jobs and careers consume us and rob us of time together. The purity and permanence of marriage is threatened by pornography. We've talked about that, uh, Jacob, on the uh, program before, about the, the incidence of pornography and addiction to pornography. It's, it's destroying a lot of marriage. Uh, and so th those are some suggestions, and we've got some others from some of our emailers, Jacob. We do. Uh, we have one from Stephen in Vermont. He says, ensure, uh, or to invert, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, a husband must unconditionally love his wife, and the wife must unconditionally respect her husband by demonstrating that respect. They must live godly lives and not adhere to what society says, but according to God's law. Okay. So society is going to try to influence this one way, and God's law another way, and we've got to, we got to decide who we're going to listen to on that. If you look at society, following their norms leads to disaster. Any right-thinking people should, any right-thinking person should be able to see that. And so, you know, you're going to follow societal trends, and 
reap the disaster that follows, or are you going to follow God's law and the blessing that follows? And I like what Stephen says here about uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. He says to do it unconditionally. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I don't see conditions on those. You don't, you're not to love your wife if she is an excellent cook, if uh, she is pleasant all of the time. You're not to reverence your husband if he makes the best decisions in the world only, and only if he is uh, the best father in the world. No, we're to have we have that obligation towards our husbands and towards our wives, and we need to be fulfilling those obligations. Okay, exactly right. A lot of people excuse themselves. They say, well, I'm not treating her the way, that way, but she doesn't treat me the right way, so I'm justified in that. Exactly right. And that doesn't work. It never works. Um, Gail says, follow God's pattern of unconditional love for marriage, not the world's pattern of tough love. Number two, God's pattern includes leaving and cleaving. Ephesians 5 shows that, marriage is, uh, that a marriage is to strive towards unity, being one. Communication is a must in order to bond and cleave. <clears throat> Just like the church's marriage to Christ, we have to communicate by praying to God and hearing his word, or we will not grow closer to him and have a permanent relationship. An earthly marriage also has to have respect and honest two-way communication to reach unity. Having permanence without striving for unity does not follow God's plan, will not result in a relationship that is supposed to be like Christ in the church. Each spouse must continually strive to be conformed to the image of Christ. Spouses have to be responsible and give unconditional love rather than base and blame their behavior and attitude on what their spouse did to them, as you were just saying, Jacob. And then number four, submit to one another. Ephesians 5.21, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of Christ. Um, of course, th- th- there is the sense of which husbands submit to their wives, but, but that would not be a contradiction to the plain statement of Ephesians chapter 5, where it says that wives uh, are to submit to their husbands uh, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. I don't think Gail's comment there is is meant to suggest that uh, wives don't have to submit to their husbands as the head. But husbands do submit to their wives in in regards to things that will make the marriage uh, what both want it to be. But the husband is still the head of the wife. And I don't think Gail's comment would be contradictory to that concept. That's right. Um, as well, uh, verse uh, 7 of First Peter chapter 3, I think, may touch on what she's talking about. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife, as unto the weaker vessels, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers not be hindered. Uh, the idea there is that well, a husband's going to understand the needs of his wife, and he's going to comply with her needs. Exactly. Because he loves and honors her the way that he should. Exactly. And then Patrick says, God has to be central to marriage if it's going to be permanent. You might have a permanent marriage till death without God, but you won't have a happy and permanent marriage. Uh, he mentions contraception again. I'm going to leave that off. He says, I've heard that among couples, well, he goes on, I've heard among couples who use contraception, the divorce rate is 50%, but those who do not use contraception, divorce rate is under 2%. I, I've never seen statistics like that. I'm not sure that's. I'm not sure that's true, but again, Patrick well, may know more about that than I do. It but doesn't I, prove that the contraception is the reason why. That's right. I think it's beside the point. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm not in full agreement with Patrick on the contraception question. He says, he goes on, husbands should love their wives. Wives should respect their husbands and be obedient to them. And I don't understand this statement. Each person should cultivate disinterested love for the other. And then he gives a website that discusses disinterested love. I'm not familiar with that concept. I'm not sure it would work. I'm not, I'm not sure what that means, but uh, I may check that website out that he gives us. 
He says each person should go into marriage with a commitment, a prenuptial agreement which decides the terms of divorce before the marriage even takes place is a sure sign of lack of commitment. In such a case, there is no marriage. I, I think he's exactly right on that. You know, if we enter into marriage with the idea, well, we'll try it, and if it doesn't work out, we'll just throw in the towel and find a different husband or wife. I guarantee if you enter marriage with that mindset, it won't work and it won't be permanent. It's like going into a diet with a bag of cookies and so you say, when I decide that I, if I decide I don't want to do this diet, I'll have these cookies ready yeah. for me when I when yeah. I decide I don't want to do it anymore. Exactly right. You, it, it won't last. You're destined for failure. You're not going to lose any weight. And we might, we might uh, we've got just a, a few minutes left. We might go to Jesus' teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I, I, let's go to Matthew 19. And let's read what Jesus taught on this because it's a high standard and a very important one to understand. Uh, in Matthew 19, verse 3, the Pharisees also came to Jesus, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that which have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Now, that's the general rule, Jacob, for marriage. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. That's the general rule. No divorce. Mm -hmm. And he's going to go on to express a single exception to that rule. They said to him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. There's the exception. If my marriage partner has been sexually unfaithful to me, for that cause and that cause only, I can put away my marriage partner, and I have then scriptural right to marry another. My, my mate that I've put away is not privileged to remarry. No one can remarry her. She can't remarry. No one can marry her without committing adultery. Jesus' teaching there in Matthew chapter 19 is very plain. It's not hard to understand. People have tried to say it's so obscure and difficult that we can't comprehend it. I don't think that's so. It is a tough standard, intentionally tough. In fact, the very next verse, Jesus' disciples said to him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. And and so they were saying, man, that's a tough rule. You've just re you just laid down a very stringent regulation on marriage, and he didn't back down from it. He it, it was so. It is a difficult one, and purposefully it, so. It is difficult in practice, but it is not difficult to understand. Exactly right. It's a difficult thing to put in practice. Not difficult to understand. There's no there's no indication there that the disciples said. What do you mean? We 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 don't we don't break that. this down for us. Yeah. Make it a little more simple. We can't understand. Now, they they didn't ask for clarification. They just said, "Man, that's hard." And yet there are many people who are very learned religiously, know the scriptures quite well, and yet in their efforts to obscure the passage, have told us that God's rules of marriage, divorce, and remarriage are complicated. Yeah. And and hard for us to understand. Exactly. You remember back in the, in uh, the Garden of Eden, Satan was able to successfully get Eve to sin by adding a word to God's rules. God said to Eve, uh, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die, Genesis 2.17. But Satan said to Eve, Genesis 3.4, you shall not surely die. He had the word not there. 
And, and then he succeeded in getting Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit. Well, Jesus said, I say to you that whoever divorces his wife except for sexual morality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery, Matthew 19.9. But Satan says, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another does not commit adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced does not commit adultery. He's doing the same thing with marriage that he did with Eve in the Garden of Eden. He's trying to get them, trying to get people to believe that what God said uh, isn't true and doesn't apply. Absolutely right. He's up to his old tricks that he's been up to since the beginning of time, and we must not allow him to succeed. And so uh, I think our emailers are right. I think the principles of God's word are right. If we're going to have permanent marriages, then we have got to enter into them with a commitment, uh, a commitment to God who, who made the rules, and a commitment to our, our mates to whom we've made vows with a determination to selflessly serve one another and be the kind of people that are taught in the Word of God. And, and as we said, Jacob, this is, this is going to work out to our good. If we, if, if we have successful marriages, uh, our lives are going to be blessed. I never knew a person who went through a divorce and said, man, that was a great thing. Uh, man, that was a wonderful experience. I'm I'm really glad that I had a chance to go through that divorce. I've never known a single person who who said that or felt that way about divorce. It's a heartache. It, it, it's all kind of grief, and we can avoid it if we will honor the marriage institution as God planned it and ordained it and instructed about it in His Bible. All right, very good. We need to do a little bit of house cleaning, Dad. First thing we need to note is that if you're watching our video stream, hopefully this uh, conglomeration of uh, Makeshift Tables is uh, short-lived here on the virtual Yeah, we may get a new set. Yeah, we're working on that, so that should come in a few weeks. And uh, another item of house cleaning that we need to remind our listeners of, if you're catching this on our podcast in the recorded version, not listening to us live, we'd still like your comments on marriage or on any Bible subject. We encourage you to contact us with your questions or comments so that we can consider your comments and questions for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And if you have any comments or feedback on the program things you think might make the virtual bible study better we encourage you to comment us uh get in touch with us and give us those comments as well we look forward to your feedback even if you're not a live participant in the virtual bible yeah. study. send us some feedback uh, and give us some topic suggestions we're always open to those we we want to make our program interesting and if you have a topic that you think needs to be discussed let us know what it is Join the Twitter uh, following on Twitter if you're on Twitter. And we can give you our weekly updates that way as well. And you might want to check us out on Facebook. One of our listeners has created a group on Facebook that you can join and be a part of over there on that as well. We look forward to having uh, contact with you and discussion with you any way that is possible. If you have any disagreement or questions about what we've discussed on the program tonight, we'd encourage you to comment us to contact us at any time. Dad, thank you for your comments. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you for your participation. We hope you benefited from our discussion tonight. We look forward to you being a part of the next edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word in the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.